Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, all 50 states are now phasing in the reopen. Some are moving faster, like Georgia and Texas, and some are moving slower, like New York and California. But this Seems to be just decisions that governors are making, yet protesters are still in the background as sources, as people we should fear. And I saw this headline today. I have to share with you this headline in this passage from Business Insider. The headline is from today. Why anti-lockdown protests are a magnet for white supremacists. And it says, this is the sentence... It says, according to experts who study extremist groups, and you and I both know when we dig into that, (laughs) you find the person like new knowledge or whatever. Anti-lockdown demonstrations fit perfectly into the ideology of white supremacists and other far right groups such as sovereignty, rejecting the legitimacy of government and anti-immigration sentiment. So sovereignty is some kind of extremist viewpoint. Sovereignty, personal, state, national sovereignty, having power over yourself or your community that has power over you is is a mental illness. This is white supremacist. Everything is white supremacist, is Nazi, is racist. If it's on the right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But why is it even on the right? The science isn't there. The left should be the ones who say these policies are being passed unconstitutionally. What's her face? Pelosi might have a vote, might be able to pass this thing with 22 members in Congress out of 435. They might do it all over Zoom, trillions of dollars. As Robert Massey told us last time, Thomas Massey, Robert Massey's an author, Thomas Massey told us last time, they, she didn't even record the vote. If I'm not mistaken, they did not record the vote. He said he wondered if they had a quorum. Maybe they did record the vote, but they're not following protocol. And I just can't believe anything can be a vote that isn't recorded. In this day and age, when they are going to record every single person you come in contact with and put it in a fusion center, they can't record 435 votes for country bankrupting unconstitutional legislation. That's the only thing they can't track and trace is those votes for the legislation. Right. It's just too complicated. I-, I got caught up in the propaganda myself. I just called it anything on the right. It shouldn't be an on the right thing, people who are protesting the shutdown. It's not. It's they want to be able to go out and work. It's not I'm on the right or left. The media just makes it that way and they find the most extreme person or they send someone to pretend they're extreme and then they brand everyone at the freaking protest as this crazy made up person that they created. What if people are there Because they want real data or they want due process. They want policies to be followed. Why does that make you right wing? And what is right wing now? They put on us right wing as if it's the European right wing, which national socialism is what the European right wing kind of is epitomized. It's socialism. That is not what our so-called right wing is. Yeah, 
Yeah. Liberty yeah. and socialism. Nazism and liberty are are opposites. It's just a it's just how you define the terms. It's yeah. outrageous. And they're bringing it here and they're doing it on purpose to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. And I would say to introduce dysfunctional subcultures, oh, to definitely. bring identity politics to the right when they never could before. Yeah, they want to inject identity politics into absolutely everything. And Trump is doing that. Obama followed by Trump is what did that. And Stacey Abrams does that like a champ, too. Do you know where or who wrote that article? The Business Insider article? Yeah. It's on Business Insider. Connor Perrett, P-E-R-R-E-T-T. Yeah, he wrote it two that. hours ago. Clown is. I, does, I wonder if this person Connor. believes this. There's no way this person actually believes that. I suspect none of them believe anything. I think that if you are a successful journalist in today's mainstream media, that you have only your eye on the prize. All you think about is what's going to get you what you want. Yeah, That's I think, what I think. Right. I think the first question they ask when they're analyzing any news event or any incident going on that they're going to report on is, okay, how is this racist? How can I make this race? I think that's one of the top questions that they ask. Maybe, and maybe they have their own assignments on what they're supposed to focus on, identity issues yeah. or whatever. But I find that I've I've identified this for academics, and I think it's also true for, for journalists and also pundits, talk show hosts, stuff like that. If the what is sought after, what is what is promoted is to is someone who has a firm grasp of the existing paradigm. And can plug current events into that, can explain yeah. it in a simple way. So somebody who can explain to you what the Wall Street Journal just said is going to be way more successful than someone who questions what the Wall Street Journal just said. And I think these guys, to be crude and use a South Park term, sniff their own farts for their ability to comprehend the propaganda that they are supposed to dumb down for us. And yeah. they don't know it. Yeah, you're right. They do. If they can deliver that, deliver their news to those two paradigms, then and that's their good. highest and best use. So they don't know. They're proud of themselves, and they get celebrated for it. Yeah, they get celebrated. They get followed, and they'll laugh. They would laugh at us. People laugh in my face all the time, like I'm crazy and stupid. Well, they want to ban people who ask questions. But just even personally, I remember somebody said to me once, they a neighbor of mine said, "Wow." You make so much more sense when you're on the radio. <laughs> what? I was oh, like, thank really? you? Uh... Yeah, because he completely dismissed me as a kook when he was drinking my beer in my driveway. But when other people respected what I had to say and put me in a position where thinking that other people would want to listen to it, all of a sudden it made it sounded better to him. Yeah, he listened a little bit better. You know, but or it just perceived it differently. Yeah. That happens to me a lot, and it just shows that getting in that position, but they think that they've earned it because they are adding something new, and I say they earn it because they're augmenting something on the agenda. Yeah, they're furthering something on the agenda, and they're using these emotionally divisive identity to politics talking points all the time. It's abrasive. The libertarians might be the first, or they will be the first to do something, perhaps for the first time, this weekend— it's going to be a groundbreaking weekend because... Are they going to Austin? No, they're not. They're holding uh. the first ever virtual selection of a president and vice president this weekend on Friday. They've been doing test runs. They got a bunch of tech nerds, they said, who are testing out the glitches and fixing it. And there's actually... I did not know this, but 
You know how you have all the faces on the screen on Zoom? Like you can have tons of faces. You can have up to 1,000 thumbnails of people. There's like a hundred and, or not a hundred, a thousand and ten delegates. So they can't quite fit all of the delegates on the screen. That's way too many people to look at at once, by the way. But they are going to do this augmented virtual version of the selection process. First time in history, and they're going to be setting the bar for the Republicans and the Democrats. Also a change. So the Libertarians have the limelight this weekend. Wow. Well, they really lost me when first they elected Gary Johnson and then they elected William Weld at Gary Johnson's urging. So the vice president is also voted. Unlike other parties, they vote for the president and they vote for the vice president. And (laughs) Gary North, Gary North, Gary Johnson, Gary North's okay. Gary Johnson supposedly begged, like practically on his hands and knees, insisted that they vote for William Weld. Couldn't have been a worse choice, obviously. And other things have happened to, I believe that the former head of the Libertarian Party was in the leaked Podesta emails as a controlled opposition. I mean, it, it was really scandalous. So now they have a great guy running. That's fine. But I, I did have kind of a libertarian moment, libertarian mind vitamin, if you want it. Yeah. I read an article. It was in the Activist Post, but it was Tyler Durden. So I assume it was from Zero Hedge originally. And it, he explains how these checks that you're getting on your couch, what's going to be UBI, augmented unemployment, all that kind of stuff, is, a, is people's first taste of socialism and they don't want to go back to work. So that's creating a problem for restaurant owners and that kind of thing. People don't want to go back. And I found it interesting because to me, it's the flip side. That is the flip side of what Albert J. Knox said in Our Enemy the State about we will always have these problems, this political problem, the threat of socialism, as long as people think that a job is something to be given. So the flip side of that is these people... Without what the Activist Post article was saying was that if people don't get up and work, the devastation on wealth and surplus and will be really tangible. And I think that's right in that. So it's it's important that you know that you can always work. You can always grow a potato or offer up your services. There is no end to if you want to be industrious, that doesn't cap out. It's not a fixed size pie. You can always do it. You can always add wealth. You can always get wealth for yourself. But there may be an element of the technolo- technological here where if they if they make every single job a technological job that's at the level that everybody could do, sweeping a floor or whatever, even my son who has Down syndrome could sweep a floor, kind of. He can do some stuff. I don't know if he could sweep a floor. But there's something he can do. He can do stuff. He can walk my dog. So I'm saying that there is a chance that there this is a like a report from Iron Mountain thing where they need to warehouse the useless eaters and that they're doing that and that that but I'm giving having a debate with myself here but ultimately I would say that anyone who wants to go out there and add value from sweeping a, a sidewalk as long as there's no minimum wage law and or people aren't enforcing it you can always add value, increase the good of society, the surplus wealth, get some for yourself if you are willing to go out and work. And the fact that this is paying people not to work, yes, definitely is going to have a negative impact on society, on individual wealth, on all that stuff. Although I think the tech, this is in service to a technological takeover and a 
classification of a lot more people as useless eaters. Yeah, it's definitely hard to get people who are making double during the shutdown to promote going back to work. And I think that the once you have all the useless eaters, the next step is kind of mass sterilization, whether you know about it or not. And I already saw an article today that said our birth rate is at a 35-year low before coronavirus. And because of fear and lack of prosperity, uncertainty, health danger, financial danger, they expect the birth rate to plummet from this low level going wow. forward. And that that is exactly what Bill Gates wants. And it's exactly what goes that would be in keeping with what happens when you have too many useless eaters. So it's all I think it's all part of a, a, a holistic change in the paradigm. I think you had a message you wanted to deliver today. Oh, I would like to take a minute to thank everyone for all the support. I don't know if you've noticed since we started doing the disappearing patron parties and adding the extra value. We've really gotten a lot of support. We've been trying to work out how to structure this thing. I think we've got, we, we know how it's going to unfold. We appreciate the help in more ways than one. But I think I should kind of tell people what they are supporting, which is we, we're putting out this podcast every day. It really dominates our lives. If you follow me on Twitter, you know, my research for the next day's show starts when everybody else in my house has gone to bed. I spend my whole day reading all sorts of news sources, trying to figure out what really happened in the world, what's important, why it's important. Many times I do, I'll spend a night doing a podcast on another show, which we'll oftentimes bring here. We do interviews, deep dives. Binkley spends at least as much time as I do on research. And on top of that, he produces every show himself. He brings extra content as well. Of course, we love doing it. We do it because we want to share our insights. We want to create some awareness that might create some sparks and keep the forces of darkness at bay. But it takes time, effort, and money, and it really won't be possible to continue if we can't make some kind of living at it. We actually have a deadline of sorts to see if this endeavor has enough value to people so that we can get the support and keep doing it. So... In that vein, we really hope that if you're not already a patron, you consider becoming one. And if you haven't, if you've been thinking about becoming a patron, you just haven't made the move yet, now would be the right time to do that because we are making changes to our patron tiers on May 31st. Specifically, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty. You can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report to kind of see the different tiers, but there is a change. The $5 tier with access to a monthly patron party, which we're cutting it from two to one, but we're making it 90 minutes instead of 60 minutes. That for the $5 level, anybody who joins the $5 level after June 1st isn't going to get the, they're going to get the patron 15, but they're not going to get the parties. The parties are getting too crowded. But if you sign up to that level by the end of the month, we'll grandfather you in. So anybody who signed up at five or wants to sign up at five by May 31st, you'll continue to get at least one 90 minute party a month. So go to our Patreon page for more information about all the benefits, all the tiers. We hope you're getting value out of this show and appreciate the time, effort, and expense we put into it. We'd love to see a whole slew of new patrons by the end of the month. So let's see if we can hit that goal. We've got some patron goals, but I feel like we're doing a good job. We're, we're obviously hashing this out on our own as far as how the Patreon stuff works. And Binkley, you do so much work with the production as well as the deep dive research for me, this is, uh, this takes up all, all of the time that I have other than 
that I I take take care of my family and then everything else is this. Yeah, this takes up all of my time as well. I, as you know, I, I'm a caretaker for my parents and outside of doing that, this is the only thing that I do and I'm very, very, I'm so appreciative to everybody who has joined and supported us uh, since the very beginning. It's thank you guys. And, and we have to, a great community on Patreon. I noticed that like yeah. we can really plug in and talk to people and the parties are great. We really get to communicate and have a good time. It's actually the, even the higher tiers are less than it would cost to buy us a drink. Yeah. But we end up having, you know, we'll sit and we can have a drink with both of us for an hour or two or three a month. So it's a good thing. I don't want to milk it. I just wanted to, I, I, we actually got a lot of emails and feedback. Like this is because we talk about it. How should we arrange this? This is what we're doing. And hopefully you'll, uh, you get the value and check it out. Look at our tiers and see if you want to become a patron. And with that, let us move on to what I think is the, uh, an important and continuing story about hydroxychloroquine. I never thought I'd be saying that, but I think that there's a new personality drama emerging between Donald Trump and Neil Cavuto. I think Cavuto is going to be the new Megyn Kelly. I think the hydroxychloroquine is something that's going to have uh, a dialectical impact. I'll tell you about that. Yeah, You have something about that too, right, Pinkley? Hydroxychloroquine, I've been following this since Trump first mentioned this maybe a month and a half ago, and immediately the media started trying to discredit it. And we've talked about the study they did to discredit it. Well, there's been a fact check. This was CNN where I read this fact check. Trump makes baseless allegations that there are political bias in the study, the hydroxychloroquine study. So Trump had said that it was done for political reasons. It says facts first. This is their fact check. Facts first. There is no evidence for Trump's claim that the study of veterans was designed to hurt him. So Trump claimed they did that study. They designed it to hurt him politically. And then it goes on. Okay, so that, that's their fact check. As Trump said, it was designed to hurt him. They say, no, it wasn't. There's no evidence. Then they say, while there are valid criticisms of the study, it was retrospective. It was focused on seriously ill patients. It was not peer-reviewed, and it was not randomized. It was not controlled, and it was conducted on people who were in the last stages of their life. The sickest people who were closest to death were given this hydroxychloroquine in the study, and then they died, and then the media reported it as hydroxychloroquine kills everybody in study, even though it's not supposed to be taken. It's not recommended to be taken or given to patients like that. It's recommended to be given earlier in the process to prevent you from getting sicker once you start to have symptoms or even before. So that's not a fact check. That fact check confirms what everybody's been saying about it. Well, I know that there's going to be some dialectical elements here for a couple of other reasons. One is in Brazil, a lot of people are taking it. They're recommending it as a protective measure. We know I actually found my tweet from March that said, wait for a surge in May in Brazil, because if you read Event 201, you can predict the future with this thing. So I saw that coming and it is coming and they added hydroxychloroquine to their protocol. So my guess is there's going to be a problem with it. And I'll tell you, there are two reasons why I think so. One I've talked about before, the Rockefeller Foundation scenario called Hack Attack talks about a tainted anti-malarial drug coming from a corrupt World Health Organization. But my guess is it's going to come from this dumb, unscienced GOP 
right? That's how I think they're unfolding this. But I was also listening to one of the latest infectious myth podcasts, David Crow, who we've had on the show. He did one very recently on uh, April 28th with Remington Nevin called The Dangers of Chloroquine and Hydroxychloroquine Therapy. So it's, it's, it, his stuff is, has a lot of credibility because it gets so deep into the science, but it's, it's pretty dense. But this guy isn't a conspiracy theorist or anything. He just got a doctor who knows a lot about this stuff, who's worked with it, studied it, studied the dangers, worked on lawsuits, I think, over it. And he, and he gets into it. So I think that we're going to see this thing turn into something. Maybe. The way that they're reporting it is that they're reporting it as though Trump has been pitching it as a miracle cure. You give it to somebody who's about to die and they'll get better. That's not how it's been pitched. It's been pitched as consult with your doctor. It's helped some people who have the right circumstances if you don't have a heart issue. So it's been very measured in the way that it's been promoted. People are going to get sick and they're going to blame it on Trump for advertising it. Oh, definitely. The side effects. That's all I'm saying. Like, there are side effects. It's not a a no-brainer drug. Of course, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think. They're just going to say it's... We're saying the same thing. Yeah, and you're right. But they're acting as though he's pitching it as a no-brainer drug. Oh, they'll go back. They'll just ignore everything. Plus, knowing him, he'll say two things that could be taken oppositely. Right. And they'll... Pick the out of context sound bite, and then he'll later say, "If you'll, uh, you after that, I yeah. said J.K. or whatever." Yeah, that's right. It's exactly what they'll do. So that I just feel like this is one of those stories that's going to have some legs. It's here to stay. <laughs> yes. So I did see. Speaking of all the health stuff, I, there's a fantastic article in, that I tweeted by John Rappaport about from I think it was research he did in the 80s about vaccines that has tons and tons of very reputable sources cited about various vaccines. Even this was the one I was like, well, smallpox, even smallpox was plummeting in incidents before they had a vaccine for it. And in European countries that implemented the vaccine and European countries that did not implement the vaccine, it became eradicated in the same amount of time. That blew my mind. There's a lot. I must have tweeted five little subtweets as I was reading this article. It was really a, a must read. Wow. At Monica Perez show, if you want to go find it. That's very interesting. I'd like to check that out. There's been... Some new developments when it comes to, I'm going to say it, Russia. I've been talking about Russia a little bit more. And House Democrats have recently told the U.S. Supreme Court, this was earlier this week, that they need, they need secret grand jury materials from special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation to determine if there's new evidence of impeachable offenses against Donald Trump. Impeachment round two, they're laying the seeds right now. Well, you saw that coming. Yeah, they've been talking about they'll just keep impeaching him. And all those people are going, well, we're not ruling out a second impeachment. So throw in all of the way he handled the coronavirus and they'll pull some obstruction of justice some abuse of power. They'll throw a little bit of coronavirus in with Russia, with Ukraine, and we might get us another impeachment inquiry here before the year's over. The Ukraine stuff was in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Wall Street Journal was talking about Ukraine. It was saying how 
their battle against corruption is ongoing, but they're really hitting some stumbling blocks. Zelensky just can't make it happen. The anti-corruption center is disappointed. And I'm thinking that's the Soros U.S. government thing. Zelensky is the Kolomoisky puppy, puppy, (laughs) puppy, puppet. So in their failures, they were they fired a prosecutor who just wasn't getting it done. And he said, I was getting it done. And they fired me right before I could get it done. It's the same thing all over again. I feel like what we're hearing as being Ukraine's rift, that one side is really corrupt and foiling the efforts of anti-corruption activists is really that there are people in Ukraine actually trying to bat back this coup, really. And that they are having some success and Zelensky is getting roadblocked here and there. And that that they, and the reason I think that stuff is interesting is whenever I see two factions really fighting any place that is not truly under the control of the cabal of the of nobody who's sitting at the table of event 201. They, they talk about how you get the uh, oligarchs to call the president and pressure him to go along. They actually talk about that in event 201. Well, in Ukraine, their oligarchs probably fight. Their politicians are fighting. It's a real battleground there. And I just find it kind of a, an interesting microcosm for how things might work on, on some of the levels of the chessboard. Yeah, well, we're going to hear all about Probably not the intimate details, but the surface-level propaganda involved anyway. Texas is actually, I'm going to tell you what Texas is doing, the first ever, right after this word from our sponsor. What's up, guys? With everything going on in the world right now, it couldn't be a better time to grow your own food. Or if you're like me, to learn how to grow your own food. Something that I've wanted to learn how to do for a long, long time because I want to learn how to live a more sustainable lifestyle. That's why I'm thrilled to have found Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, one of the most welcoming, friendly, and truly helpful places that I have ever been to in my life. They offer affordable, high-quality garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of, and they got it. And they got it at affordable prices that the big box stores cannot compete with. And the best part about it is that they're locally owned by a fantastic group of folks who are happy to answer any growing or planting questions that you may have. It's the kind of personalized customer service that a beginner like me needs. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Neighbors Feed and Seed. I would hang out there all the time if I could. They would have to kick me out, which they wouldn't do because they're too welcoming and friendly to do it. It's that kind of place, and you can feel it as soon as you walk through the door. So if you are in the Smyrna area, go to Neighbors Feed and Seed. I promise you, you will thank me later. Maybe I'll see you there. In the meantime... You can check out their website at NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. That's NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. Or if you have any questions, give them a call at 678-653-8838. That's 678-653-8838. And make sure you tell them that the propaganda report sent you. I want to add that Neighbors also has added e-commerce today. So if you're out of state, you can shop on their website. and Hey, I feel like we contributed to the accelerated time frame on that. I like to think so too. I think it's. I great. think people yeah. people have told me that they've called them and they've been well received in calling them for orders. So That's a great maybe, place. That's what I've heard too. I would definitely knows? recommend checking it out. I hope so because they're such a good friend of the show. Yeah. So in Texas, we are going to have our first ever Zoom virtual jury trial, and that's interesting. We've been talking about how they're testing out. Zoom and testing out virtual interactions in every arena to see how it works, to see if they can use it in the future or forever. And 
they're worried that this could bring up new bias, like someone who is sitting in front of a nice library in a nice home might be viewed differently than someone sitting in a garage or a basement through their Zoom. So your environment in Zoom is going to be a concern for bias. And people who can afford to get the background on Zoom, maybe they'll get the background. But if you can't, you can't. And the jury might see you differently. That's really interesting because I had been thinking how much you could save on cosmetics and clothing because you never go out. But it's it could be the opposite that every your entire you see, I had to put a screen up behind me because the room I'm in is getting messy and I just don't have time to clean it. And I can't have all these video interactions with a mess behind me. So I'm do I did that. That wasn't really an expensive way to go, but I can see how it really could be prejudicial. And then there'll be a whole industrial psychology field yes. arising out of how to manipulate your environment, kind of like those books Dress for Success did back in the 80s. They'll tell you how to impact how people think of you that way. Very interesting because the whole essence of the jury trial, I would think mostly, is to see who you believe and what you believe. And I wonder how different that is. A live show is one thing. It's different from a a show in the can, but it's different from a presence as well, I think. Yeah, and listen to some of the problems they had. They did a test run. And during the trial, this this is over an insurance policy dispute. And during the trial the judge had to frequently stop and help jurors with tech issues. And during the jury selection process, which is uploaded on YouTube right now, several of the jurors had trouble using Zoom. Some of the jurors spoke without realizing they were muted. Others needed help adjusting their displays. Some disconnected from the call. So there's an easy way to get out of jury duty. Oops, disconnected. <laughs> Ooh, wow. That's a great idea. And the judge kept Although having to I stop. Like, yeah. I would want jury duty because I think, People should exercise that jury nullification and educate other juries. I tried to get on a jury and I did not get on the jury 100% because of my political disposition. Although one of the other candidates for juror ran up after me as I was walking out and said, you have a podcast? I love how you think and talk. Well, how do I reach it? So I, I made a, it got a listener out of it. That's but great. That's about it. One other thing with that is. This implies if it's your civic duty and you have to be a juror or you have to at least go to jury selection process, then that would imply that you have to have access to the Internet. Not everybody has access to the Internet. This would support universal basic Internet. Universal basic Internet. Since it's a civic duty, it's a civic requirement. Yep. You know, they should have guns. The militia should be a civic duty. And and my, my son tells me in Switzerland, where I know you're required to have guns, he said if you don't have one or can't afford one, they will provide it for you. Every Swiss citizen. Yeah, everybody's going to have one. So let's do that. Universal gun ownership. Could you imagine? I cannot imagine. I mean, some people will imagine horrors, but I think what you can imagine is the great equalizer. Every woman, anyone who's ever been a victim of rape should be a pro-gun rights. I would think so, too. I think people are scared of them. I think if if everybody had to learn how to use them and handle them and use them wisely, I think people would be a lot more confident with other people having them as well. Well, gun culture does emerge that way, and it always was that way. We've interrupted the gun culture, similar to how we've interrupted the drug culture by banning it completely. You disturb those ancient ways that that almost felt like instincts. Pete Quinones put out a good article at the Libertarian Institute that I feel is a good companion to my video about the 
um, Arbery case, which was how the gun culture views that 30 second clip of what those guys did. And it was very well done, I thought. Highly recommend. Interesting. What are some highlights of it? He just said, you don't take your gun out unless you are justified in using it. My father taught me you don't take your gun out unless you're going to use it and don't use it unless you're going to kill the guy. Yeah. Because you're a girl and he's going to get that away from you. I don't care where you put that bullet. If it does not put him down, he's getting it from you and he will put you down and violate you dramatically before he does that. I mean, my father would scare the crap out of me when he tried to give me a knife, but I knew that I could never, I was not confident I could use a knife because then you have to have real speed if you don't have the strength. So, and I know you can throw knives, but I didn't, wasn't going to invest the time in that. But he said that those guys did not have a good cause to take those guns out. And that. Good point. That you just wouldn't have that. That's not what the gun culture advocates. And for this exact reason, then somebody feels threatened, doesn't know what to do or, or isn't familiar with the gun culture. And what's to prevent him from saying, hey, you have no right to stop me. And not to mention, on my point of view, they had no right. It wasn't their property. So what's your first person right there? Were they commissioned by the other guy? There's going to be a lot of arguments, a lot of device arguments. I know, I know. But that's what he said about it. I really wasn't going to get into it, but because I don't, I'm not, I mean, it's aimed exactly at someone like me because I'm not part of the gun culture. Yeah. I just don't feel comfortable with my son to have a gun in the house, but I, I I like to know it because it's important to understand how it would be in real life. Yeah. How it is. So I wanted to say something about the contact tracing apps. Got a sec? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, we have a sec. So 23 countries are apparently clamoring. This is the story I read. It's just so dumb. 23 countries are clamoring to have Apple and Google give them this contact tracing app, which I have to watch the Corbett thing that says, please don't call it contact tracing. I don't know what he wants us to call it surveillance intimate surveillance i don't know but anyway for now i'm going to call it contact tracing and they said but they're annoyed with apple and google for their dangerous or whatever policy that they can't force their citizens to use it apple and google won't sell it to a country if the country is going to use i don't even understand that if you're selling it to a country why are you selling it to a country just make it an app right do they sell itunes to a country just I, you sell it to a country only because the country is going to force it. But anyway, the countries say that if they're going to force it, maybe the countries want to offer it for free, I guess, maybe. But but I thought back in March, I read how Israel was contact tracing people overnight. Literally, yeah. Netanyahu made the decision. It was like a midnight decision where he bypassed the legislature, which was debating the issue, and just had people start flashing up on their screen. This is at the height of his uh, election difficulties. And I thought, well, how did they do that if the app wasn't even invented yet? If the technology is still under inve- under construction, why? how did he do that? Well, it ends up that there's a backstory and a front story. I'll make it quick. They already used it for Israeli and Palestinian extremists, according to them. Yeah. Then somebody said, okay, so now we know that you've had all this personal information about everyone the entire time that you could go live with at any moment. And we wonder, we understand why you're doing it, but we wonder since your, uh, your election is on the rocks here, are you going to use that personal information for other reasons to understand who we're who we're talking to, if we're the other guy's guy, 
then do you scrutinize us more? Do you keep us from going to the polls? What are you going to do with this? And then there was another thing I read about how it can, it will keep all your contacts, anybody you've had contact with, it can compile that information. It's going to store it. If it doesn't use it, it'll get rid of it. Ha ha. But the problem with that is that if what that South Korean guy said at the World Health Organization or the health symposium was that health that they were complaining that the World Health Organization could not go into countries without the country's consent to get information. That's what they were worried about. So this contact tracing is going to be a repository of information that they say they're not going to keep. But what if there is an overarching law that comes down from the International Health Authority that says that that kind of information is they own that? That's what I think is going to happen. And I think that's the purpose of it. That's a big what to watch out for. Yeah. And these apps, too, even if you wanted to choose to believe that they would not use them for other purposes, which I find that hard to believe, they're hackable. So people could hack them, get all the data, and they could use Somebody's already hacked one of them in another country. I can't remember which country, but they hacked the contact tracing app and they altered everybody's, they made it look like everybody was fine. I worry so much more about the government and their guns using the information to come to my house and take me away. The hacking thing, I get it, but it's the government with their right. I got you. But I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. No, I know. Who yeah. trust the government? There's oh, I also, see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want to become a patron, join or go to www.patreon.com/slash/propaganda report, and we will talk to you guys on the Patreon 15.